Hi, I'm Elissa Nicole Trust, an actor and writer living in New York City. Hey, I'm Lauren Schaffel, an actress and producer also living in New York City. And, and we, we are Positive, Positive Creativity, Creativity Podcast. Positive Creativity is a podcast where we speak with writers, directors, and other artists about what they're working on, what's inspiring them, and how they stay positive in this industry. We are looking to shed light on all of the wonderful projects happening in New York and beyond. Our goal is to give creative artists a platform to talk about their work and to give theater and film lovers the opportunity to learn about more creatives and projects. Thanks for listening. This episode is brought to you with support from Ahava Theater Company. Alyssa Nicole Trust is an actor, playwright, voiceover artist, screenwriter, and children's book author. In addition to her work on the stage and screen, she is the artistic director of Ahava Theater Company. She is proud to be launching Ahava's virtual education program for children and adults in March. Alyssa's children's book, Daisy Moves to America, came out this week and is now available for purchase on Amazon and Alyssa's website. I've linked it in the show notes. So welcome, Melissa. Thank you. This feels so funny because usually this is a joint team effort here where I say welcome to our guest and you say thank you so much for coming. But now it's you in the hot seat. Yes, it's me in the hot seat and it feels so weird and I'm so weirdly nervous, but also excited. And and thank you for having me, truly. <laughs> Thank you for joining us. <laughs> um, this is so exciting. I agree. And I'm excited for listeners to learn more about you and your story. And yeah, the the magic behind Positive Creativity Podcast. Ooh. <laughs> <Thanks>. <laughs> so I think you know the first question I'm going to ask. What is currently inspiring you? What's inspiring me? Well... I knew this question was coming. So like Peter Hargrave said, I sort of walked around all week thinking, what's inspiring me? And honestly, I'm really inspired by all of the guests that we've had on the podcast. Um, We have spoken to, I don't know if it's 25 or 27 guests at this point in the past year. I know it's crazy. And everyone holds a special place in my heart, honestly. Everyone is doing really meaningful work that's pushing the needle forward and challenging the status quo. And I feel like everyone is so crystal clear about who they are as an artist and the type of work they want to be doing and the change they want to see in the world. And I feel so lucky that we've had the opportunity to speak with such amazing artists on this podcast. (laughs) Um, And I'm also really inspired by my husband. (laughs) Adam. Shout out to Adam. Yes, shout out to Adam Michael Kaufman. He did our theme song, our adorable theme song. And um, so he has been a Broadway musician since he was 17. And he had to pivot pretty sharply in the pandemic. And he is now teaching virtual piano lessons. And so he has, and he has a lot of students. He has kids as young as five, as well as adults in their 60s. And he has a really cool setup where he has an overhead camera and 
a webcam so his students can see his face and then they can also see his hands on the keyboard. And he does something with the iPad where he can circle stuff on the music and they see it on their screen. It's really cool. I'm probably explaining this really badly. <laughs> um, no, it sounds terrific. But basically he set it up in such a way that you're not really losing anything by the piano lesson being virtual. The only thing that he really can't do is play with them at the same time because of the delay. So I'm just really proud of him that he found a way to pivot and he found something that really lights him up and that brings him fulfillment and um, that he's been really successful at. I think it's so hard to build a business in this time. I don't know that he thinks of it as a business, but um, you know, it's a business and I'm, I'm really, really proud of him and, and inspired by him and his resilience in this really difficult time for the theater community, and especially for somebody like him who's been a Broadway musician his entire career. Yeah, that's so beautiful. And absolutely, right? I mean, at this point, Broadway, they're saying may not really open fully back up until fall of this year. So the fact that he's been able to really pivot that way is is really amazing. Um, and I love that you're inspired by him. That's just <laughs> Similar to what we were talking about on Kat and Peter's episode, like hashtag couple goals. That's so sweet. (laughs) (laughs) So speaking of accomplishments, let's talk about you. You've been working on some really cool projects during this pandemic. uh, One of which is you wrote a children's book that is coming out soon. It's called Daisy Moves to America. And I'd love to hear the inspiration for the book and what the process was like getting it published. Sure. So um, my I took a children's literature class my first semester of college, and the final project was to write a children's book, and I loved it. So I always knew that I would write another one at some point. And I actually took a few uh, children's literature classes in college and one after college, and then a few years ago, I was in Mexico with my friend Hannah Talbot. Shout out to Hannah. You know Hannah. Mm-hmm. Um, she was born in Australia and she grew up in England and she was driving on the right side of the road for the first time. Did I say that right? The the right side of the road. Yeah. yeah. Right side of the road. Yeah. <laughs> so she was driving on the right side of the road for the first time, which was somewhat worrisome. And then she said, we need petrol. And I said, petrol and she said yeah we're low and I said do you mean gas (laughs) and like yeah and so then we it just occurred to me that we had exchanges like that all the time in our friendship and she had introduced me to so many different words and phrases over the course of our friendship and I thought that it would be a really cute children's book so I'm just gonna read you the synopsis um yeah So when Daisy May and her family move from England to America, Daisy is teased because of her British accent. Overwhelmed by the many words and phrases that are different, Daisy wants to speak just like her American classmates. Follow Daisy's journey as she learns that her uniqueness is something to honor and celebrate. We may even learn a few new words along the way. So it's really Hannah who inspired me. And that was years ago at this point. And so I started writing the book in about 2015. And actually, I remember the day I started writing it. It was um, 
when I, it was right after my first date with my husband. So that was October of 2015. So this is so long ago. And then I finished the, it was like a work in progress forever. And then I finished it in early 2019. But the thing is like as an actor and as a playwright, it was always sort of on the back burner And so what happened in this time during the pandemic is I was able, I guess, like Lapika said on her episode, maybe odd pandemic perk. I, you know, I'm not actively auditioning right now and we're not in the grind of our normal everyday life. So I was able to really make this the focus and I'm just so excited about it. Honestly, it's been such a joy and I wasn't sure if this was going to be like a one one hit wonder sort of situation. Like I wasn't sure if I would write another children's book or if this would be it. But now that I've gotten into it, it's really lighting me up and just making me so excited. And I spoke with somebody yesterday from my community of actors that I'm a part of who is an illustrator who wants to collaborate. So there may be a second book in the works and I also, yeah. And I also have an idea for another book. So I think um, this might be the first, but I guess we'll see how it goes. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so exciting. Um, yeah. And just, I mean, kudos to you for really taking the time to kind of fast track this process and like, We've talked about this before on the podcast. I think for a lot of people, it's very difficult to create in this time. But for you to just kind of settle down and be like, all right, I want to get back to this project that's been kind of on the back burner for a while. That's huge. And the fact that it's going to be released is even more huge. I'm so excited to see it when it's fully released. Thank you. Thank you so much. I know you so well on and off the podcast. Like if anyone was going to do it, it's going to be you because you are so ambitious and so smart and so motivated. Like I feel like once you get an idea in your head, you're like, I'm going to do it. I'm going to find a way, even if it's a pain in the butt, like I'm going to do it. I've seen it time and time again. So yeah, this, this doesn't surprise me basically is the, the short answer I have to all of that and it's so exciting thank you thank you so much for saying that that means a lot um I have a lot of ideas that don't end up coming to fruition so so it's nice it's really nice to hear (laughs) yeah totally speaking of which right so not only are you a children's book author you're also a playwright and a performer and I would like to hear about, yeah, your story of becoming a writer and also a performer, because I think this is maybe something listeners on this podcast might not know. Thank you. Thank you so much for for saying that. Um, Yeah, so I I loved reading and writing as a child, and I got the acting bug at age eight in a camp production of The Wizard of Oz. (laughs) So I pretty much performed in every school or camp show possible from age eight to 18. And then I'm just going to put it this way. I was strongly discouraged from pursuing acting as a career. So 
I, since I love to write, I decided to be an English major and I did my concentration in journalism at Binghamton University. And in college, it was kind of the same. I performed in every main stage show, I, and every studio show, I sang a cappella. Performing was a huge part of my life. And then it was towards the end of my college career. This will not surprise you. There was a semester where I was so overbooked. I was taking 24 credits and completely drowning and something had to go. Um, I was also a Spanish minor and I was taking this really hard Spanish literature course. And now I'm thinking back, like, why would I have done that? (laughs) Anyway, (laughs) um, (laughs) so in the mornings I had this journalism internship and I completely hated it. And in the evenings I was in a play and I absolutely loved it. And I had this aha moment that I loved being in rehearsal. That's what lit me up. And that's where I felt at home. And that's what I looked forward to all day and where I loved to be. And so I realized, you know, I want to act for the rest of my life. And um, that was always what I wanted. And I was just discouraged from it. And so That was around the time I made the decision that I was going to pursue a career as a professional actor. And I had no idea what it meant or how it would go, but that that was the thing that I wanted. And then being a writer came back to me later because um, after college, I wrote a web series based on my acapella group in college. And then I started Mm -hmm. writing plays and being a playwright also felt I felt really at home there. Um, and and now I have my pilot. And so I realized that it's being a creative writer that excites me versus journalistic writing. Right. Um, but, you know, even after making that decision in college, like I'm going to be an actor, it really took me a while to actually go for it and actually start pursuing acting as a career and become a professional actor. And I've had a lot of shame about starting late and not having a degree in acting and all this stuff and and feeling like I'm behind. And, you know, I always feel like, oh, I should have had a co-star on TV by now and I should have worked on this type of contract by now. And it really wasn't until I started working with Zachary Spiegel, our podcast guest, episode two, two. Um, I work with him and his program and actor agents. And it, it was really him that sort of my conversation with him kind of gave me permission to just own my story and acknowledge where I am and how I got here and understand that it's exactly where I need to be and there's no timeline and everyone has a different path in this business and this is mine. And and it's interesting, once I stopped having those feelings of shame around my career and where I am, a lot of opportunities actually started to open up and I started to get to work on some of the type of work that I really want to be doing. So um, a sort of a long winded like, twisted answer to your question. But, um, but yeah, that's sort of my acting and writing story. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's fantastic. And I think yeah, that's something really admirable. I think you you hear a lot of stories of artists who are like, oh, I've been doing this, I guess, well, my story, like since I was a kid, but then a lot of people who are like, oh yeah, I trained, you know, I went to a conservatory or I studied theater in college or musical theater. And, you know, then immediately like began auditioning and hit the ground running. So I think it's, it's cool to hear your story of starting, of knowing this is something you wanted to do, but really passionately pursuing it 
pretty recently. And I'm wondering what advice would you give to somebody, maybe even listening to this podcast, somebody who's like, oh, you know, I've always been interested in being an actor and I don't know if it's something I, I should do this late in my in my career. What would you what would you say? Ooh, such a great question. So while I'm not totally sure that I'm qualified to dispense advice, my advice would be, I mean, we only have one life, right? I think it's really important to go after what you want. And I just know that if I was a journalist and I had gone down that path, that I would have a lot of resentment for the people who discouraged me to pursue my career and um, and that I wouldn't be happy. But my advice would be, take a class, honestly. And I understand that there are some issues with access and money because classes do cost money, but there are some that aren't that expensive. And I would say, yeah, just take a class and see if you actually really like to act because what we all know being professional actors is it's not glamorous most of the time. So make sure that you really love the craft. But yeah, I would just say that it's it's never you're never too old and it's never too late and we all have a different path and there's I I really believe this so strongly even though to use the verbiage that we used in Peter and uh, Kat's episode in the obvious path you know I'm at the bottom of my dream mountain you know but like everybody has a different path and everybody gets to their dream mountain in a different way. And it doesn't matter what age you are or what you've been doing before. If you believe that you want to be a part of this, and if you believe that you have a gift and that you should have something to share with the world, then absolutely go for it. And um, I also really strongly believe in um, having an acting career or any sort of creative career alongside um, other jobs. I don't think it's all or nothing by any means. And the pandemic has really shown that to be true. Um, although I've been sort of talking about it way before. So I, I don't know if that's useful at all, but I, I hope I hope it is. And also reach out to me if you feel like not, I mean, I'm still young, of course. So I, it's not like I'm, I started so late, but if you feel like, you um if you ever feel like you're behind or you you didn't pursue it or you kind of want to reach out to me I'm happy to chat (laughs) ah that's awesome um thank you for answering that question because I realize yeah that's that's somewhat of a vulnerable question to to be asked so thank you for for answering that so so honestly and beautifully thanks I hope it helps (laughs) (laughs) No, it also struck me while you were talking, you know, you mentioned that you, you believe that maybe you're towards the bottom of your, of your mountain, but it makes me think about, you know, it's such a relative thing. I think maybe you may not even realize it, but a lot of people would look at your career and really believe that you are on the top of your mountain or like that is a place where you are now that they would like to climb to. So it's, it's a crazy thing, our industry, but I think it's, yeah, I think you've you've come a lot farther than maybe you you even realize and are inspiring to other people who are on their journey as well. Thank you. Such a good friend. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's true though. It's true. It's true. You are very your journey is very inspiring to me and and to others. Thank you. Right back at you. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so I've, I've had the the pleasure to be 
a performer in several of your plays and also readings of your screenplay and pilots. And a lot of your plays incorporate themes of Jewish identity and different aspects of Judaism. So I'd love to to talk with you about the inspiration for that and why you feel that it is really crucial to to write many plays that focus on Jewish themes. Thank you so much for asking this. So yeah, Judaism is a huge part of my identity and it's really important to me to incorporate the Jewish experience in all of my work as a writer. And I am personally committed to representing all sects of Judaism in a positive light and defying stereotypes. Um, there, We all know there's been an increasing anti-Semitism surging in this country and I really believe strongly in telling Jewish stories and expressing why people find meaning and joy in Judaism. I guess that's my contribution to fighting for Jews to have a more peaceful existence in my own little way. And um, yeah, I mean, I guess if you're reading an Alyssa Nicole Trust piece, pretty much everything except for the book will always have some some Jewish theme. Um, you know, obviously my first two plays, Observance and I and My Beloveds, it's all about Judaism, but even my other plays and my pilot and um, they there's all there's always some Jewish aspect to it. And, and I believe really strongly in it. Cool. Yeah. And it really does give you a unique voice as a writer, too, I think. And it's it's not so often that we see plays with Jewish themes. I, I wish there were more um, for me personally, because I am I'm Jewish as well. And that's actually I feel like listeners have maybe heard this story before, but that's how you and I connected at auditions for your play, which at the time was called BT Master of Return, now known as Observance. Um, I remember reading that script and I was so moved by the story and it resonated so much for me of my own experience, um, having very observant relatives in my family. And I immediately reached out to you and I was like, wow, this is, I don't, I don't know what's going to happen with the casting for this piece, but I just have to tell you that it is so grounded in truth and so many questions that I grapple with all the time. It's my Jewish identity. So yeah. Anyways, long story short, like your work and your writing and incorporating Jewish themes are so effective. Thank you. That means so much to me. And yes, I'm so grateful that you auditioned for BT Master of Return because that was the start of our beautiful collaboration and our friendship. But I also, I really believe in that story. And I think that it has become even more relevant now. Um, and I also, it meant a lot to me at the time that a lot of people who weren't Jewish were able to relate to it. And I think sort of like we spoke about this on Lindsay Rosen's episode in this kind of write what you emotionally know. Mm-hmm. And that and that will resonate um, because I spent a lot of time worrying that my writing was too niche and too specific. And so it wouldn't really have a place in the larger theater landscape. Mm-hmm. But um, that's it's kind of worked out in the opposite way that because we also spoke at this on Harrison Rivers episode, like the more specific you are, the more universal. So, mm. I love that. That's so true. Yeah, the more specific you are, the more universal. I'm curious, like, what 
what is your vision really for maybe let's say the next theater company or um, venue that produces one of your plays? Like if, if you had it your way, if you could kind of cast maybe a, a play of your dreams or like have a vision for what that piece would look like, what, what would that look like for you? Ooh, what a juicy question. Um, well, I, so one of the big disappointments of this time in this pandemic is that I was about to have my debut, uh, my regional debut at a Jewish theater in St. Louis, which is closed indefinitely because of the pandemic. So my vision would, if I could have it all my way, is <laughs> it would be important to me for the piece to be cast with an inclusive lens in every way. Um, Jews come from all different backgrounds and ethnicities and identities, and I would want my writing to reflect that. I would love also a diverse creative team. That would be really exciting. And a rehearsal process that includes a lot of table work. I think that it's so important to dig deep into the themes and the meaning behind it all uh, before getting on your feet and rehearsal times over the years have, I've just noticed have gotten slower and uh, shorter and shorter and shorter. And, you know, as a writer, I would love to be really involved. <laughs> um, if a theater was doing my piece, I would love to be at every rehearsal and again, just have like a really great relationship with the theater and sort of just have, make sure that we're in alignment on our values and the mission of the piece. And I would want for, I know that theaters need to make money, but I would also want for tickets to be accessible and maybe to do something where um, people who are not traditionally able to see theater because pricing has been um, a barrier that they would be able to see it. And I don't know. I hope that was a good answer. <laughs> yes. No, that was that was beautiful. I feel like I learned a lot actually in just in that in that beautiful answer. Um and I really do hope that, you know, when this pandemic is finally done and we are able to be in a physical space and seeing live theater, I really, really hope for you that this comes to fruition. Like I have a strong feeling that it that it will. Um, mover and shaker that you are like this will come to happen and it makes me think about so you also in addition to being a writer a performer a children's book author you've also founded a theater company called Hava Theater Company and I'd love to, to hear more about that as well and maybe some of the visions that you have for this theater company Yes. So I have a theater company, Positive Creativity Sponsor, is a new New York City-based theater company that brings great Jewish plays to life. We love to tell stories about Jewish culture, history, and philosophy that spark conversation, break barriers, and challenge the status quo. And we're a community of artists dedicated to representing all aspects of Judaism in a positive light. So 
I was really inspired to create a Hava theater after my play observance, which we spoke a little bit about, ran at Fringe, New York City. Um, the play got just a lot of positive reception. And so I was looking to keep the momentum up and discovered that there is no theater in New York City that is doing contemporary Jewish theater, Jewish plays exclusively in English. And how is that even possible? There are so many Jews in New York City. In New York, so many Jews in the city. And the more that I spoke to people about a space that was really just for developing new Jewish pieces, the more I realized how much of a need there is and how much people want it. And... um, so it was one of those situations where kind of like with the book, I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I don't know anything about running a theater company, but I think the person who needs to create this space needs to be me. So <laughs> I, so I started a Hava and um, I'm really, really proud of what is coming for a Hava. So essentially it occurred to me that I, Ahava was going to get nowhere if it was just me. I needed to create a team. So we have our monthly reading series, which is actually going to be led by you, Miss Lauren. Woohoo! Super excited. And so one night per month, um, we'll get together to read a play that embodies our mission. We had been doing that pre-pandemic just in the Dramatist Guild Music Hall in their space, which is beautiful. And I miss it so much, um, or in my living room. And so we'll do it on zoom until it's safe to gather in person again. And, um, I discovered so many incredible plays and playwrights in, by doing that reading series and met so many amazing actors by doing that. And two of the plays that we read, we actually had the playwrights on the podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was going to say also amazing writers too. Yeah. That are now part of this community of positive creativity. Yeah. Carrie Gitter and Gina Stevenson. I'm obsessed with both of them. And, yeah. <laughs> and um, I feel like I'm forgetting one more. Oh, um, Sandy Rustin, who was not on the podcast, she, who, um, but we read one of her plays. She's an amazing writer. She connected me with another Jewish theater owner. So it's just, cool. yeah. So it's just really cool. It's the, I really, I'm proud of the reading series. Um, then we also, I, I recognize the importance of continued Jewish theatrical experiences for children in this time. And one of the things that I always wanted to do from the get-go was have an educational program. Um, little Elisa would have loved a Jewish and theatrical experience as a child. I <laughs> Little Lauren is right there with you. Right. <laughs> I had positive Jewish experiences as a child and positive theatrical experiences as a child and, but never a Jewish theatrical experience. So right now, um, uh, my friend Marigel Herman and I are building out the educational programming of a Hava theater company. Most of our programming will be for children, but there will also be some classes for adults and um, we're launching in March. I am so excited why we're launching around the same time as the book. I don't have any idea. Not great with time management, but, um, <laughs> but so it's going to happen. And um, so I know we're still figuring out exactly what everything is going to look like, but um, just to give 
you some of an idea. Um, there's going to be um, Podcasting 101, a podcasting class taught by another one of our guests, the amazing, amazing Lily Torrey of The Dreaded Question. Um, I'm not sure if that's the title of the class, but she's going to be teaching a podcasting class. Um, there's going to be a um, sort of like a script story telling acting out class about the holidays. So since we launch in March, we'll start with Purim and then April is Passover and Mara is going to be leading that. And I cool. really wish I said it. I really wish I said it better. Um, <laughs> then we are going to have a weekly reading of a Jewish children's book, which of course I will be leading because I'm obsessed with children's literature. And um, we are going to have as some dance classes like Torah tappers, which is just a tap class with a Jewish name. And um, there will be, I'm not sure if that will be in March, but because again, because we're still sort of figuring everything out, um, but there's going to be acting classes, music classes, singing, cooking, um, movement, piano, like music. I think I said music, all of these classes, some of them are going to be strongly Jewish themed, like the class, that I spoke about that Mara is doing because it's going to be focused on the Jewish holidays and kids acting out what goes on during the holidays. But also there will be some classes that really have nothing to do with, to do with Judaism at all. And all are welcome. And also the teachers are not all going to be Jewish. So I'm really excited about this. Um, I know at some point Lauren um, will have you teach something, um, whether it's your incredible experience and background from the Tenement Museum or if it's something like about yoga or cooking or something I, I know we'll have you and I'm just really really excited about it I'm so proud of what we're able to create and I hope that it's successful and that people sign up and want to join us and join the community <laughs> yeah absolutely that all sounds so incredible. I'm so excited to see this happen. Really, it's going to be so great. Thank you. Thanks. And yeah, so since I, there's not as much, I don't have that much concrete information because we're still in the planning phase and we're recording this in January. This episode will come out in February. The program will launch in March. So please take a look at our website and see what we're offering. Um, and yeah. Oh, and so of course, Mara was recently on a podcast called Marital Herman. She's on the podcast, uh, My Broadway Memory, speaking about our upcoming educational programming. And she spoke so beautifully about it. And I'm like, why can't I do that? But it's going to be amazing. Check us out. Please join us. If you have an idea for a class, shoot me an email. I'm super open. So then um, I also want to say... Yeah. And I also just want to say one more thing that we're, we're also building out our, um, our leadership team and we are really looking to have a diverse leadership team and, you know, be the change that we want to see in our industry and in the greater world. And, um, please join us, uh, no matter what your identity is. So, yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Yay. And we'll be sure to link all of the information too in the show notes of the Ahava website and the um, episode that Mara did on yeah. her, the podcast. So that's, that's great. Thanks. Yay. Yay. So inspiring. So cool. So kind of coming back to one of the original questions on this podcast, I feel like we haven't actually talked about this really in a while. Our 
our kind of shift for this season has focused a bit. Um, but I'm curious, what are some ways that you stay positive in the industry? Especially, you know, considering the year that we've had, like Broadway shut down, a global pandemic, this racial reckoning in our country. Um, what are some ways for you that you, yeah, find some inspiration and positivity? I think, thank you for asking that. You know, it can be really tough. The industry is really disheartening and the times that we're living in are, you know, everyone's saying unprecedented. It's it's really unprecedented. It's really traumatic. It's just really awful. And staying positive has certainly been a struggle. I do feel very grateful to have my husband and our perfect dog, Benji. Um, <laughs> Yay, shout out to Benji. Shout out to Benji. They you know, Adam and Benji keep me so positive. Um, I'm really trying to take this time to make sure that this is a time that Adam and I look back on with, um, that we we cherish this time together. Obviously, we have more time together now than we did before. So we are cooking together all the time. Um, you know this, Lauren. I'm obsessed with being whole foods plant-based. So we make everything from scratch. And so we experiment with all of these new recipes all the time. And that's been so fun. So I guess really uh, when it comes to staying positive as an artist, it's about having these things outside of my artistry. You know, that's the kind of stuff that keeps you grounded as a human being. And you need to be a healthy human being emotionally, I think, to to be resilient in this career and certainly in this pandemic. And, um, and I believe in that really strongly. And I guess the other part of it is um, having a strong support system. Like you are such a great friend and I do feel like I have some other people that are really supportive and that's really important. Um, doing this on your own is doing this life on your own and this industry on your own is just not possible. You need support. So that's really important. And yeah, and just like also being kind to myself and, and giving myself some grace. And this year I knew I experienced some pretty serious burnout in, um, in November after funny folks and I had also been teaching a lot in the fall and was just doing way too much and um I pretty much like collapsed for a week (laughs) and uh just did nothing but Netflix and I knew that going into the first quarter of 2021 that I had these two major projects, the children's book and Ahava. And also I know that we're going to start season three at some point in the foreseeable future. And I knew that I did not want to hit burnout again. And I wanted to stay emotionally and physically healthy. So I started a morning routine and an evening routine that I'm really proud of. And so my morning routine is Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I um, stretch, do a bike ride. We have a bike, um, not a Peloton, but like a spinning bike. And, um, but I do use the Peloton app. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday, stretch, do a bike ride, stretch, shower, um, make breakfast, and then start work. Tuesday, Thursday, 
I don't have to stretch because I wake up and do Pilates. And then same thing. Um, so then, and then after Pilates, I meditate for 10 minutes and then, you know, shower, make breakfast, go to work. And at night, now I'm not on my devices, any, no, um, no electronics after 10 PM. Everything's gone. Um, and I meditate before bed. And I also have a amazing, you know, I'm obsessed with my weighted blanket. And, um, and I read before bed. I think that being intentional about your mental and physical health is also really important. Mm. Oh my gosh. I think what I, what I'm really hearing in this, like, first of all, kudos to you for setting these healthy intentions. Wow. Um, but what, what's really standing out to me is this, this essence of self-care and how important that is in maintaining some positivity in our industry and just in life. Um, I think it's something that oftentimes we, you know, think of, I know I do. I'm like, oh man, like doing a stretch in the morning or, you know, taking a yoga class at night. Like sometimes it feels indulgent and it feels like, oh, I should be, you know, working on my script, right? Or I should be, you know, prepping for a class or I should be making dinner. I don't know, whatever it is. There's all these other life pressures, but really giving yourself the time to say, nope, this is my 45 minutes or an hour for me really, really does wonders, I think, for our our sense of self and just our our ability to be productive. And I think it's I think it's so important. And I'm so glad that you are sharing that. So I think that's all the questions I had. Was there anything else that you wanted to talk about or? No, I just want to thank you so much for, it's kind of weird, like, for this, for asking such generous questions and giving me a space to speak about my artistry on our own little platform. Um, it's a pleasure and I'm so excited to put you in the hot seat next. Woo! I'm excited as well. And this was such a pleasure. I mean, we're such good friends, you know, off the podcast so I have to admit, it's kind of funny for me to sit here and ask you these questions because so much of it, I'm like, oh, yes, I know this. But then there were some things that you said that really surprised me today, things I learned, especially the question about your um, ideal vision for a production of one of your plays that just really opened my eyes to and makes me excited for all the the opportunities for you in the future. I believe, truly believe that you are going to make that make that happen. Thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you so much for listening. We always love hearing from you. You can email us at positivecreativitypodcast@gmail.com at gmail.com and follow us on Instagram at positivecreativitypodcast. And for more info on our guest today, please view the show notes. Join us next time on Positive Creativity Podcast.